listening to Gospel Garage, sharing the good news of the gospel through the teachings of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Wow, absolutely beautiful to be back together worshiping. Isn't that just like God? To be present, even in a little garage, minus 12. <laughs> and wherever you are, maybe it's warmer, maybe it's colder. But isn't that just like him to be with us in every moment? Amazing grace, amazing grace. So I'm a bit disheveled because, you know, I love singing with Holy Spirit with all of you and certainly love worship with Mike. And it's so beautiful to see him healthy. So that being said, all right, Gospel Garage. I think it's week 41. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, God. We just love serving you. And so I think this week, sort of tying on with last week, his kingdom come and the cause of Christ. You know, the cause of Christ. So I'll be reading off my phone because I'm not very organized with the screen behind us. And thank you. Thank you. Humbled heart, filled heart, really joyful heart with all the emotion. Wow. And I just want to say too, like, how grateful we are, Mike and I, and all of us, to serve God, to serve God with his global family, his family here in Merritt, God's children here in Merritt, all the people that we know that are doing such different things for his kingdom's glory. Amazing, amazing. And maybe we'll never meet every single one of his people on his planet, whoa, but wow, we are a beautiful family made up of men and women who are so complex and different, you know, created by God. People of all shapes, all sizes, all languages, all economic levels, from cities and towns and villages and remote areas and nearby hubs of activity, you know. Wow, brothers and sisters, wow, we grieve with you. We grieve with you. We celebrate with you. And we thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We honor you. We honor you. Thank you for the Bible, your living word that teaches us God, reminds us, comforts us, changes us. We pray, Lord, please bring the body of Christ together and let us act as you have directed us, united under Jesus Christ. Grant each believer a loving heart to accommodate our fellow Christians, Lord. Let every denomination put prejudice aside and submit to your will by demonstrating the true grace towards each other that you give us. Enable the fold of Christ to raise the banner, God, your banner of love to uphold your righteousness in every community you have placed us in. Wow, please help us. Help your church serving Jesus, God, to overcome the challenges that lay ahead so that your name will be praised throughout the world. Oh, amen. Amen. Wow, God, thank you. Thank you. Wow, so we're going to use a few different Bible versions again. Um, I suppose translations, really. You know, the Passion Translation, New International Version, New English Translation. Like always, every week, we recommend find a Bible, buy a Bible, borrow it, get it from the library. Certainly, there's Bibles available online. Find one that speaks to you that God will be using to speak to you and through you. It's quite, it's amazing. So Acts 42. No, let me go back. 
No, we're going to do Acts 4, verse 32 through 33, and the Passion Translation this moment. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great measures of grace rested upon them all. Hmm. Again, that was Acts 4, 32-33, and the Passion Translation. So I'm speaking for myself as much as any of us here, I suppose, too. You know, we can easily get worked up by all that is going on in the world, especially the current scene here in North America. It's playing out like we could never have imagined. And what if all of that passion, indignation, energy turned on the real problem facing us? What if we turned all of that that we feel inside when we're watching a headline and face the real problem? It's a way bigger issue than God's children, I think. It's the church. It's divided. It's, you know, it's a way bigger issue for all his children, whether they know God or not. The church, we're divided. Um, we're more divided than a particular nation even, or a group of people are divided, you know. And why? Because... God created us to be one church under Jesus. And Jesus prayed this before going to the cross, that we would be one. And Holy Spirit empowers us to be one. And yet this biggest challenge that we face of a divided church is getting in the way of our true living of God's gospel and purpose. John 13, 34 through 35. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know you're my true followers. He was speaking right to his church, his people, his disciples. Not yet the ones they were going out to be part of the salvation story with, but they themselves, his active church like-minded in love of one another, not like-minded as in carbon copies of each other, you know. And guess who also has the most interest, really, in the church being at each other's throats? Like, let's be real about this. Satan, the enemy. He, It's not a singular enemy. You know, it's all over the place. The church down the road is not our enemy. That denomination that does things differently from us is not our enemy. The worship leader who plays songs that we don't like, maybe it's not our style, that's not the enemy. We have one enemy and its mission is the same as it's always been. It has come to steal, to kill, destroy. That's it. To steal our unity, absolutely. To kill the power of our gathering, whether in person or by telephone, remember those old days, or even online as we are here tonight and to destroy our credibility and influence with the world that we're actually called to reach. So when we can keep fighting amongst ourselves, the world's just going to look at us and lump us under one category and feel justified in their um, dislike, distrust of the church. So with so many different kinds of churches too around the world, and even here in our own communities, how do we become unified? It's a really good question. There's so many different ways of doing things. We have to start focusing though on whose we are. God's people and what we're for, which is salvation. And stop focusing on what we're against. Stop focusing on what we're against. Wow. We are for the lost finding Christ. We're for the broken becoming whole. 
We're for the hurting, finding the healing that can only come from God. We're for lifting the name of Jesus Christ higher than the name of our local church, of our denomination of choice, or even our current ministry and endeavors, really. Like the name above all names, Jesus Christ, period. Revelation 1 verse 20. The mystery of the lampstands and the seven stars is this. The seven lampstands are the seven churches and the seven stars in my right hand are the seven messengers of the seven churches. So we know that God refers to churches in the Bible more than just buildings, sections of his bodies in Christ, of his children. And so maybe a perspective of this would be we the church maybe we the church the body of Christ brothers and sisters in Christ also have to admit that we need each other so as much as we're off on our own adventure in ones and twos and fives and tens we need each other globally we simply cannot significantly impact this broken world alone like we can't even reach our own city alone we know that we at least need the prayer and comfort and maybe bouncing off ideas off of other people even on our own street, I doubt we can just attack our own street alone. We need other people with us, united in Christ for his children. We all need church. We all need church as the body of Christ completely. So how interesting is that when we see that we all need church, but it's not specifically the modern definition of church. Sunday gatherings, maybe two or three times on a Sunday, depending on the size of your church. That's not what I mean when I reference church either. And I know many of you know that. Many of you know that you carry church within you because church is Jesus and it's his people. But we need all kinds of churches, denominations, organizations of church to reach all kinds of people because unity in Christ is not uniformity. And that's, I think, where we might get tripped up. We have such strength in our diversity of who we are as individual people, yet all created by God. And I'm probably rambling, you know, because it's really heavy on my heart, this um, sense of disunity, because it's a global disunity going on right now. Uh, the secular world is full of division. Politics is full of division and strife. And oh my goodness, you could just go every single category on this planet has uh, this side or that side and either you're all in on one side or you're all in on the other side and so it's certainly significant in our churches and in our church gatherings some people won't even want to be part of a family church their home church so to speak um, that they identify particularly with because they don't want to be wrapped up in that idea of them versus us or us versus them you know so maybe our style of do doing church isn't the best or only way do we stop and think of that because it's easy to look at a different church group who their heart is for Jesus. They walk with God. They read the Bible. They study the word. They worship and praise. But it's not the same as what we enjoy doing. And so we push them aside or we think they're not doing it worthy of God. Well, only he can decide that. Jesus sent us all out on one mission, the Great Commission, really. And he told us where to go, which is the entire world, whether it's your front stairs or across the world, you know, because it really is a variety of things. And what we're supposed to share is the gospel of Jesus. And he didn't demand a how 
that it was to be done the only way. He didn't say, this is it, follow this, and this is what you're supposed to do. Actually, no. The how is just a method. The how we share the gospel, the how we go forth to all nations is a method. It's one particular message um, with many methods involved, really, because Apostle Paul lays this out too. Clearly, in his varied approaches to his churches, he presented the gospel based on a diverse audiences, whether they were right or wrong in their walk with God, which he addresses in his letters to the churches. Um, he spoke to each church as the types of people they were in that church. And so my friends, really, let's not get hung up on the how we are doing church. The simplest way really to show the world is unity in that, the unifying thing about us and our love of God is God, is Jesus. That brings us all together. We're like all one because we love Jesus. All the rest of the stuff that we are is pieces of what God makes us interesting and unique, but it's not meant to battle each other. You know, Jesus said that we should be known for love of each other, and then we would be known as his followers, not for our buildings, you know, not for the amount of people that we reach each week, not for I sing louder, I dance more, during worship, I sit during worship, all the things that we get criticized for. It's not for our t-shirts with slogans, and it's not either for our music style or genre either, because old hymns, modern Christian, rock and roll Christian, it's all the same if it's truly singing to God, you know? I wanna be known not for the way we vote or the things we boycott, but I wanna be known for the love of Jesus Christ and the absolute role we play in the salvation of other people's lives. And so for sure, um, the way we berate each other on social media isn't cool either. Like there's brothers and sisters in Christ who truly walk with God, but differently than we do. And then it's all up for debate. I'm sorry, there's no place for that on social media or anywhere. Now, if a brother or sister, myself, any of you, any of us that we know or love are straying from the true word of God and need that um, correction, gentle correction, that steering them back to the word, steering them back to God's way, that is totally different. That's not what I am really getting at in this message because there's many people that are walking halfway with Jesus and that is for them to work out with God. And it's unfortunate and we can be a part of that restoration for their life and their journey with God. But in this unity, I'm talking about actual believers of Jesus, our risen savior, who we know was crucified and conquered death and rose from the grave. And we all believe that and we all love God with our whole hearts and he knows our hearts. And yet the way we go about the world with that love of God, that's where we need to be unified as one church. Mark 10 verse 42 through 44, Jesus gathered them all together and said to them, those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule oppressively over their subjects. But this is not the example you're to follow. You are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest, then live as one called to serve. The path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone. That really rings true. That basically sums up what we were just saying, right? You know, when you want to lead by a different model, well, leadership is anything. It's even just stepping forth. It's not like um, that you're voted in as president of your local club in leadership or that you're deemed deacon or anything else in leadership. It's the role you take every day out there in the real world. 
that you're leading, leading people to Christ. So in all of those different things, we are called to serve. John 17, verse 23, you live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. Wow, right? Like you live fully in me. We are fully immersed in Jesus. And now he lives fully in us, but also in them because they are also fully immersed in Jesus. Wow, we will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love one of them with the same passionate love you have for me, Jesus. Wow, Jesus, wow. When you came, the people thought you'd overturn governments, but instead you changed hearts. Will you change ours, God? Show us the places where fear and selfishness, where comfort and routine and politics have vetoed the power of your love working in us and through us. Yes, Lord, our allegiance belongs to you, not the denomination of our church. Wow, like one under Christ is so much like a marriage with two as one under Christ. And so are we, Christians and brothers and sisters. We are one under Christ. We just sang about it. The bride waiting for the groom. We will be united. We're the church. Therefore, let's ask ourselves and answer this honestly too. Ask myself. Write it down maybe. Make some notes and actually ponder on it. Um, because God knows the real answer in our hearts. Are we more under the influence of modern culture than the influence of God in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries, in our relationships with our Christian brothers and sisters? Are we entertained by, on the flip side, in the world? Are we entertained by movies, TVs, TV programming oh, that Jesus would most likely never turn on, let alone sit through? You know, are we laughing at jokes that are actually kind of cruel and belittling to another person? Do we raise our kids? the same way as other people just to keep up the appearance of being a world-loving open-minded family because that's a really tough one do we base our moral actions on what culture says is okay right now or do we base them on what jesus sitting at our kitchen table would be thinking when he's sitting with us so if there's little difference between the way that we're living in our home in our community workplace and the world around us the secular world except for our little world on Sundays where we attend church with like-minded people, probably. Um, we're under the influence of the world's culture. God, we thank you. Thank you for giving us a new day. Like he fixes that every day. We take it to him. We can say, oh God, we are so sorry that we let that seep into our subconscious and seep into our soul and taint it. We give it back to you, Lord. Thank you for giving us a new day every single time we wake up. A new day to put God first, to learn to walk in the ways of Jesus. I think throughout the Bible too, you'll find so many people in it who um, made some culture-defying type choices. Absolutely. I think the Bible's full of that. And Daniel, in the book of Daniel, he did. He was a young man that made his life um, so amazing in his purpose for God that there's a book in the Old Testament about him. It was that impactful and important because he was born a Jew in a Jewish culture, but ended up living most of his life in the powerful culture of Babylon, which is so worldly minded and so false God and so much idolatry behaviors. And man, like Daniel 1 verse 8, Daniel resolved himself, Daniel resolved himself to live under God. Book of Daniel. If we're going to live faithfully, if we're going to live faithfully as united brothers and sisters, 
with Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Messiah, under God, in a culture that's opposed to God, <laughs> we're going to have to make some predetermined resolutions, like January resolutions. But we need to make some concrete boundaries and a roadmap of who and what we are with Jesus. The gentle drift, too, of compromise, because it's a bit easy just to like, oh, gray area. It, you know, it lures us out from under God's will. The driving force of media, the false worldviews out there, leading us to believe things that are not within God's will, not lining up with God's truth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. That is pretty much it right there. Never forget, I am with you every day to the completion of this age. So he is here with us. He is watching over us. He is also watching us. He is correcting us if we'll have him. He is comforting us. He is promoting us. He is pulling us back a step. He is all things. He is all things. He's chosen us, the people that believe in him. In fact, I guess you could look at it like he's chosen and created every single human breathing air on this planet for the past centuries and centuries to come, all within his timing and within his will. And it's those who turn to him, turn to him in full surrender for him to be the guide of our lives, to be the teacher, and to put us into service for his kingdom. So in that, those who love Jesus are united. We are truly united in that cause. And the enemy wants to pull it apart especially during the end times. He's trying to get people within the actual church system to think that the other person's not quite as holy as me or quite as with God as me or not quite as Jesus with me because of a different outlook. And that is not what God meant. That is not what he created. As kingdom people, as kingdom people, we are God's chosen ambassadors. He chose his ambassadors. I didn't choose the guy that runs the church down the street that I have no part of. That's none of my business. If he is a true follower of Jesus, you love and support him. And only God knows the heart. Again, that's so repeated, but it is so true. And that goes right in line with judging and judging others and judging ourselves. Man, you know what? We live in this world. We are not of it. And we are different. Christians, we are different. We stand out. And so many Christians don't want to stand out for fear of being noticed as a Christian. That's not acceptable either. And I'm not saying you have to stand on the street corner with your big sign that says Jesus saves. But somewhere in your daily life should be the effort, the prayer, the gentle conversation, the reminder to someone, Jesus saves. So however you feel you want to do it, by all means stand on the corner with a placard, wear it on a t-shirt, but if you're any of those things, you're going to speak it and live it as well by your actions. Because by your actions and love for one another, they will know we are his disciples. You know, because our differences too is meant to be used for the others. Because if we're all different, someone can relate to us. Maybe you don't relate to me. Maybe I don't relate to you. But somewhere along the line, someone has a connection and a re relationship and a comfort level. Um, if we are all different, that's why different churches are important, different organizations believing in God are important. If we all come together and support each other, like 
We serve at two churches, Mike and I. I don't know if many of you know that. I'm a deacon at one church. Mike's a worship leader at another church. We both love the people that go to both the churches. They're two different denominations, hold the same values, though. It's quite amazing when you read the list of values for each church. They're bang on the same. So it's one body united. And we love that we serve together at both churches and love both the sets of family that are at both churches. It's amazing, and that's God. That is God. So it doesn't matter. Doctrine matters. Denomination does not, if that makes sense. You know, and two, remembering, I think it's the cliche, but it's true. We are salt and we are light. We are to carry the light. Jesus says it like this, truly, like in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Your lives are like salt among the people, but if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world that others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Salt and light. Like what was Jesus even talking about? This week I looked into that verse again because, like I said, I mean, be salty and all their saltiness and you kind of hear it thrown around a little bit. I mean, maybe people have re researched it and read into it. I suggest looking into it. Because this past week, I looked into it again, salt of the earth. Like, what do you think that means? And I sort of was interpreting it my way as salt is meant to be noticeable, you know? It's supposed to add a distinct flavor to things you eat. And it's commonly recognized, too, that what we put in our mouths, what we ingest, have five basic tastes, right? So sweet, sour, bitter, savory, salty. Saltiness, did you know, is the easiest flavor for our taste buds to recognize? So is that true of us as kingdom people? Do people recognize the kingdom in us? At least 95% of the time, 80% of the time? Because there's times when I am so not kingdom-minded and I'm honking at somebody who's in my way at the intersection. That is not cool. The rest of the time in our interactions, are we seeking and striving to be of the kingdom? Jesus didn't say you're the sugar of the earth. I really like this when it popped into my head. You're not the sugar of the earth. Like he didn't say go be sweet and kind and la la la. Not at all. We are the salt of the earth and it should be easy for people to detect Holy Spirit within us because we bring the distinctness of the kingdom of God in how we carry ourselves and communicate. Yeah, basically should be able to see that in each other and in ourselves and project it outward colossians 3 14 through 15 and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony so jesus refers here too as his united people united harmony just as the light of the world um, is all of us being that bright light being that bright light of the city or the rural or anywhere it raises the point, too, that no one would light a lamp and put it under the basket. Like, I really like that. Of course you wouldn't. So why would you carry his light inside you and cover it up under a huge cloak? You know, it's intended to provide clarity, that light. And his light, most importantly, carries a clarity and a vision and 
a visibility to the whole house, the house of God, the kingdom of God. And so are we. So really there's that kingdom people phrase again. We as kingdom people should have a clarifying effect on the people we meet. Be the light, be the salt. Be the bit of the bridge that makes people wonder, wow, how do you have that and carry that within you? Well, let me tell you about my best friend, Jesus. This is how it goes. Man, you know. They will see the Father in heaven through us. We can be part of that. That is absolutely bewildering. Like when, again, we've talked about purpose before. That's the purpose that God calls us to, to be part of someone's salvation plan. That's the whole purpose. We have lots of reasons and purposes and causes that we're supposed to do on behalf of Jesus and ministries that are important and church life that's important and raising children and being a good friend and the million things that God asks of us and gives us as purpose. But his purpose is the purpose of the globe, salvation for his people, freely offered, freely given, just there waiting for the asking. We're supposed to be part of that bridge to that. We can help the world detect God's goodness, show God's goodness, direct attention towards that Father in heaven, and be bold. That was my word for 2021, bold. It requires boldness. It requires stepping out of your comfort zone to um, go up to your brother and sister at church who you don't really speak to each other because you look different and maybe their hobbies are different and your hobbies are different. Maybe you're a little bit out there and they think you're a little bit like... Um, maybe too wild for what they are, or you think they're too quiet and nerdy to hang out with. All of that goes way washed away by the blood of the lamb because we are one under Jesus. And if we have a conversation about Jesus, we will see how united we really are. And that's what we seek and strive for. So as a united body, not fighting amongst themselves around the world, but actually joined together to fight the real enemy and the darkness, my goodness, can you imagine how that's going to be when we're all united as brothers and sisters in Christ, holding his lampstand, carrying that salt and pouring it out against the darkness of the world? Ephesians 4, verse 36, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over and through all in all. Hmm. And we're called to live a life that stands out. Yes. And really, again, that doesn't mean being super flamboyant and crazy in how you dress or loud and obnoxious or super quiet or whatever it is you identify with as standing out. Um, stand out to those who are not saved, that this is who I am. I'm solid in my identity in Christ. And you know what? I believe that you will find your way if you seek Christ as well and be part of that journey. And then it's the same with brothers and sisters too. When we stand out with Holy Spirit in us, then we walk up to a stranger who is also a believer and they just know instantly that we're also part of that family. Thankfully, God has equipped us with Holy Spirit because where would any of us be without him? He does not make us timid. He gives us power. He gives us love. He gives us self-discipline to carry ourselves like kingdom people that we truly are. So let's ask God for that boldness. If you're not feeling bold, that's okay. Ask him for a little snippet of it. You know, ask him for the boldness to stand out and shine. Ask him, ask him for the boldness to join together today. Even in this unprecedented times where we are not physically meeting as much as we should, because some people still kind of are, or as much as we should at all. But we can meet online. We can meet by a phone call. We can meet by a text. Those might seem strange, but that is how it is. Just don't lose touch of touching base with people. Christian men, women, 
our children, you know, we see Holy Spirit in another, even when methods used to praise God and study his word are different than ours. So I think maybe too sometimes if you're here in Canada and you go overseas and they worship different, then you're like, oh, well, that's because they're European. So I love them. They're my brother and sister. But then you get here in your own province and people down the street are worshiping different. And you're like, oh, they don't have the spirit. They don't have Holy Spirit with them because they're not worshiping like me. So we're not really forgiving of our own in our own culture, community environment. Um, so that's the interesting perspective on that global situation. All people who love and follow Jesus Christ as the risen Savior are brothers and sisters in Christ. When we carry Holy Spirit within us, when we know that the God is the God of all that is, all that was, and all that will be. Sometimes in our greatest need, too, we can find ourselves, I think I've done that lately, you know, under stress and strain. We give ourselves um, a moment to start battling one another, even like in our thoughts, like watching somebody, watching a sermon on TV of someone that you're never going to go see them in person, but you're watching it. So then you start the dialogue in your head about judging them or what you think is right or wrong about how they're doing stuff with their light show or whatever their message might be. Um, and then right there with your friends too. Sometimes friends are in different ministries. They just have a different path. It's no more or less than the path you're walking in your ministry or your personal relationship with God. It doesn't even have to be in a point of serving God's children. It can be right within your own friend group. People doing it differently. Harsh words can be spoken for sure. Harsh thoughts. Friendships can alter and be broken. You know, we can choose sides and draw lines in the sand of this is how you need to worship or I can't worship with you. No. We love you. We pray you love us. We want all things united under Christ with all the different ways and different miraculous people that he's created to do all the amazing things in this world. You know, sometimes it does feel hard to forgive and move forward, but do it. And sometimes we might get stuck right there in this broken mess. Let it go. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Psalm 133 verse 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. There's so much in the Bible about the unity of the body of Christ. It's beautiful. It's a reminder that under one God we serve. We can be there for each other. We can pray and support each other. We can at least be a sounding board if we don't have a chance to physically hang out and sing together. We can at least share a Bible verse. Hey, you popped into my heart. This Bible verse might be applicable for your day. Don't lose sight of that. It's powerful. And in these times of global tension too, um, you know, and struggle, we need more than ever to come together as one. In this time when our church buildings, at least here in our province and maybe across Canada. We're not physically gathering in our church building right now. So we're gathering online. Various churches are gathering online. We need to stay unified and strong fighting the enemy, Satan. Not the enemy of each other. I've said that a few minutes ago. It's not the enemy of the church down the street that we're fighting. Like, no. No, no, no. There is one enemy and the rest is to be washed over, not with fighting, but with the power of love and grace and forgiveness and teaching and reading the word. And so be assured, too, that Satan's fighting hard right now because with this pandemic and with the online presence of people gathering who were never reachable before is multiplied. So we think the church is changing, and by all means it has, as the church has changed since the very first Christian step foot on this earth. It has ever changed the definition of church and church gathering. Um, but as long as there's brothers and sisters loving Christ and spreading the word and sharing. I mean, there's countries who haven't been allowed to gather together in church buildings ever. <laughs> and
and they're doing it secretly. That's no difference to us now. We just have to do it maybe via um, technology or like I said, a phone call or I don't know, go to Walmart. We're allowed to hang out there, go to Walmart and run into each other and talk God for 20 minutes and people walking by will hear it. That's been a good one. I've kind of enjoyed that because you hang out, can't have a cup of tea in my kitchen, but I can see you at Walmart and hang out and talk to you about God. It's pretty magnificent. So, you know, with Satan fighting us, the enemy, you know, wow, he knows that we, God's church, are stronger together, always stronger together. And so as we encourage one another on in purpose and cause for God's kingdom, the cause of Jesus, Jesus is the cause, like he is the purpose, he is the thing that we take our cross up and stand up for, you know. The enemy is aware that we're courageous people, that we're brave people when we know Holy Spirit is within us, and when we're covering one another in prayer and unity, the enemy understands it. He understands that. He understands the unity of believers through the power of Jesus Christ is a force to be reckoned with in this battle that he loses. So again, you know, it's far too hard for the cord of three to be broken apart, right? So one, two, three, God, thank you. One thing is true. This enemy of ours fights hardest because it knows we're making a difference in this world. We're making a difference in our family. We're making a difference with the four people that we talk to every week about God. The one person, he knows that the difference it's making in our very own Bible and prayer life, just one-on-one -on -one with God. Don't let it win. It, the enemy, gains momentum too when we forget that he's the actual strife between Christians. He is. His ploys, his tactics, his games. It, the enemy, is the real strife between us. Not the type of music we sing together on a Sunday. Romans 12, verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So, I mean, you could read that verse and think it's referring to the guys in the alley that you think aren't as good as you are, which is wrong because every single human is valuable and amazing and loved. If you just had a talk with somebody that's a character, you'd be absolutely amazed at the things they've known and experienced. But this too is just like referring to the church. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. The lowly could be the ones that are in a cheap church in a coffee shop because they can't afford the big building. I've come across that. It doesn't matter. We all have a heart for God. We're all loved by him equally. He doesn't have favorites. Man, this is so cool. What an eye opener, really. Like my friends, well, thank you for being here tonight. You know, when we're able to look beyond our disagreements and our personal preferences that make us who we are, and I'm not saying be walked on and push them aside. I'm saying when we can look beyond our personal preferences and our little disagreements and our different ways of doing church, we can look to the greater purpose in this life. And that ultimately to honor Christ as our King. <laughs> honor him. Ephesians 4 verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. That's what gives us power to move forward. Propelled with his strength and surrounded in peace, eyes on the one who gives us breath each day. All that you do, all that you say, all that you stand for, let's do it with love. Wow, all that you do, all that you say, all that you stand for, Jesus Christ. God, thank you. We ask that you fill us with your spirit of love and unity among believers across the nation, across this province, in our community. We ask for your help to set aside differences, to look for the greater cause, Jesus Christ, the cause of Christ 
his mission, his purpose. We ask that you would help us to truly live a life of love. We know it is only possible through power of Holy Spirit. Only with you can we do this. We pray for your spirit to move across our land in such fresh new ways to excite us again. Turn your people back to you. Draw others to come to know you. May we be part of that story. Thank you, God. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you that you are always with us to give us great purpose, great hope, great faith, God. Thank you. We pray for our friends. We pray for our families and for every relationship most dear to us, that you would guard our time and our lives together. Wow, God, we ask for your ability to quickly forgive hurts, for renewed hearts and compassion, for love and faithfulness to be evident in every decision and every action we take, God. Thank you. We pray hope, we pray healing, we pray deliverance, we pray love, we pray rejoicing, we pray salvation. We pray revival, we pray your kingdom come, we pray forgiveness, we pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Love you all. See you soon. been listening to Gospel Garage. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit us at gospelgarage.ca forward slash podcast.